Okay, what I'd like to talk about, what I'd like to look at, to think about, is the Keshet Ve'anah. You know that <coughs> Noah, Noah, I mean, you have to think about it, but you know that Noah took the place of other Marisha as the first man, the first created man. And he came, he came along with the wife, so his wife didn't have to be created separately. Uh, the difference is in other Marishon and Noah is that other Marishon was created perfectly by God. And therefore we're a little surprised when other Marishon messes up. But Noah, you remember, Ela told out Noah, the first posset in the parasha, <coughs> introduces us to Noah in a kind of strange way. Was he righteous? Was he a little righteous, but not very righteous? Because he's not like Adam Harishon. Our expectations of Noah are very low. And in fact, when he gets out of the Teva, when he gets out of the Ark and goes uh, gallivanting around the world, immediately he does something wrong. Right, he grows these grapes, so he starts drinking wine, and he gets drunk, and you know, and it's a sad story. So that the recreation of the world, where Noah is Adam Harishon, is different than the creation of the world. Because in the creation of the world, we're kind of stupefied that it was a mess, that it was not proper, that somehow the world fell apart. When it comes to the world that was started by Noah, I think we're not so surprised. We're not so amazed. It's sort of like we say, well, that's Noah. I mean, Noah did what he could do, but he wasn't perfect to start with. So if he messes up a little bit, he messes up a little bit. So, after Noah got out of the Teva, (coughs) <coughs> after he left the ark HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes an agreement between heaven and mankind represented by Noah and that agreement uh, uh, strictly speaking is that there shouldn't, that there won't be a uh, another Mabul Mabul, right you know what Mabul is the Mabul is the first pasuk or the second pasuk in Breshit. Breshit Baruch Kibbutz Shmuel Zayitz first pasuk, second pasuk. Laaretz Aita Tohu Vavo What is Tohu Vavo? What is Tohu Vavo? For those of you who are not uh, Semitic scholars, what? Okay. Okay, but as it told means undefined, undetermined. And in the creation, when God created the world, a lot of that creation was about separating the dry land, say, from the waters. That's what creation was about. There's like stuff, and, and the creation was, was the separation of one kind of stuff from another kind of stuff, and that is described in Hebrew by the word Vayavdel. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu differentiated. It wasn't so much that something was created from nothing, that's also 
uh, the story of creation, but there's the Vayavdel of creation. So before the Vayavdel, there was Tovavu. Tovo means undifferentiated. Like it's all there someplace. But it's undifferentiated. You know where the land is, where the waters are, etc. Undifferentiated. <coughs> Mabul. Mabul is a return to the undifferentiated world that God created our world out of. It was first there was Tovavu. And then there was Vayavdev. Mabul. Mabul, the thing that God brought down on the world, is like a statement saying, oh, it didn't work. There was something wrong with, uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, creation number one. So let's go back to undifferentiated. Undifferentiated? Water. Just water in the whole world, right? Undifferentiated. That undifferentiated world <coughs> that undifferentiated world represented a second tribe. Right? And I told you the difference between the first tribe and the second tribe was that the first tribe was, was done with Adam Harishon, with first man who, who was um, a perfect creation. It was a creation of God. And it should have been good. Noah was not a creation of God. Noah had within himself the traits of goodness and bad. Good and bad. And that's exactly how Noah acted when he got out of the Teva. He gave a korban, he brought a sacrifice, which was pleasing to God. He drank the wine and committed other excesses, which was unpleasing to, unpleasant to God. So, the recreated world, the recreated world, the world of Noah and his family and his children, that recreated, <coughs> that recreated world uh, was different. The expectations were different. Right? The expectations are, are, are no longer that the world will be perfect or close to perfect, but the world will muddle through and because the world can only muddle through, there had to be a choice of a group of people within that world that would accept greater responsibility. And that turned out to be, in the next week's parasha, Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was the father of the people who accepted the responsibility which brought them back somehow to the hopes of, of Adam Harisha. And I mentioned, I think, that the proof that this is all part of the plan, right? This is all part of the plan. The proof of that is the story of Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden. Now, what is the Garden of Eden? <coughs> I, that's like not a real question. So you don't have to answer it. What's the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden is a place within the place. But what did God create? God created the world. But God also created the Garden of Eden. As though to say, the created world will not achieve perfection, but a place within that created world might achieve uh, perfection. 
And that place within the world is with the place within the place <coughs> is called Gan Eden. Now, people, other Marisha and his wife, Chava, were unable to maintain the standard and were kicked out of the place within the place that God had created for Adam and Chava. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Avram Avinu, remember, next week's time, not Noach, Lech Lechoed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks to Avram Avinu, <coughs> he says that for you, the descendant of Noach, there is a place within the world which is special. It doesn't look special, and it doesn't act special like Ganeiden did. Ganeiden, you didn't have to do anything, you didn't have to work, you didn't have to, uh, you always had food, everything was available to you, that was Ganeiden. Okay, you're not going to get Ganeiden, but you're going to get Eretz Kenan. And Eretz Kenan will together, right, somehow God and Avraham together will produce a special place within the place. So it was all part of the plan. That's what I mean to say. That's why the Medrash is right. That's why the Medrash is right. The Medrash is right. By error, by Voker, Yom HaShishi. Remember that Pasuk? <coughs> it comes after Hamishi. I mean, we've heard this parasha several times, right? In Sifas Torah, and then you heard it again last Shabbos. By everybody, Voker Yom HaShishi, so everybody knows that the hay, the hay of HaShishi is big. Right? It's a big, a big hay. Uh, so the Medrash says, by everybody, Voker Yom HaShishi, that the end of creation was on that special sixth day. What is the special sixth day? The day of Matan Torah. Right? Vav Sivan. That's what the Medrash says. And that's what Rashi quotes. So Vayer Vayvoka Yom HaShishi says that when was the creation of the world completed? When? When B'nai Yisrael received the Torah. What's the connection between receiving the Torah and the creation of the world? Because with the Torah, they can go to Eretz Yisrael and make Eretz Yisrael a special place. Because in Eretz Yisrael, there are mitzvot, pluyot, ba'aretz. <coughs> and these mitzvot, pluyot, ba'aretz, will establish, it won't be like Ganeda, where God said, it's a special place, you can have it. But it's rather that God said, just like Ganeda was a special place within the larger place, Eretz Yisrael will become a special place within the larger place. But Eretz Yisrael, <coughs> Eretz Yisrael is going to be the result of you and uh, you and God together making it a special place and we call that mitzvot. We do mitzvot in Eretz Yisrael that we don't do any place else in the world. <coughs> and that's the story of creation. Ending with Vayer, Vayvoka, Yom HaShishi. So if we go back to Noach, when Noach, when Noach left the Teva, when Noach left the Teva, God promised him that there would never be a Mabu. 
again. Now, just philosophically, or, you know, whatever you call it, maybe theologically, you say, well, how could God promise that, that his power is limited? I mean, I mean, God just made a mabul. Of course he can do a mabul. He can make a mabul. So you say, well, he, he didn't say that he doesn't have the power to make a mabul. God just said he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Well, why not? Why wouldn't he do it? <coughs> he did it. I mean, he, he could do it again. But beyond that, in order to prove, or order to indicate, or order to determine somehow that this mabul will never happen again, uh, he, he, he gave Noah a sign. And that sign was what we call a rainbow. Now everybody knows, everybody knows, and even in the ancient world, the Ram points it out, and the Ramban on the sheet that you have, that, that the Greeks knew that uh, a rainbow was a natural phenomenon. Like it's about refracting light. Let's say you can refract light, it all, you know, white light, refracted. I, I don't know exactly what that word means, but that's what you're supposed to say. White light refracted through, say, a prism, which is something that looks like one of those buildings they built in Egypt. You refract white light through a prism, and out comes all the lights, out come all the lights of the rainbow. So it's very often true <coughs> that after a rain, uh, you see a rainbow. A rainbow, which is the refracted light from someplace up there through something down here, I mean clouds or air or something, which make you, which make, make it into a rainbow, like uh, all those colors that make up white, <coughs> white light. So what could possibly the rainbow have to do with uh, the promise? If God promises that he's not going to bring a flood upon the people, that should be sufficient. That should be sufficient. Look at the Pesukim. After this introduction, which I hope was not too tiresome, uh, we'll, we'll look at the Pesukim that we're interested in. And uh, the Pesukim say, Vayom Elokim et Noach Lebanav God said to Noah and his children, his sons, Ani hinini mekim briti itchem. Mekim briti means I will establish it. I'll make it, it's as though, it's as though God said it, so maybe he'll do it, maybe he won't do it, but if he's mekim briti, he will surely keep his word. He will surely keep his word, right? Uh, your future descendants that call And somehow this will go on, it'll go on through the generations, it'll be for man, for animals, etc. Again, I will establish this covenant. 
לא יקרית כל בשר עוד מימי המבול. המבול will no longer be used as a weapon against the people of the world. ולא יהיה עוד מבול לשחרית הארץ. And there will no longer be a מבול Uh, there will no longer be a mahmoud to destroy the land. To destroy the land. That's a good bet. Vayom Elohim zot ot habrit. And God says, you need a sign that this covenant is in fact a real covenant. Asher ani notein b'ni v'nechem 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 olam. So that you need a sign. How do you know that this is really going to happen? How do you know that this is true? How do you know that God will keep his world? There are all kinds of strange things that I'm saying. Et kashti natati be'anan. Kashti be'anan. Anan is a, is a cloud. And kashti is a, a boat. Kashti ba'anan. meaning a rainbow. The rainbows are like this round. They sort of like, usually look like that. Unless they're in puddles of water, where they just look like puddles of water. But they're in the sky. They have that look. Pasuk... <coughs> the same thing, except here the Torah says that quotes God is saying Vizakharti et Briti. So you know that uh, I think I've mentioned on different occasions that the difference between the creation of Adam and the recreation of mankind through Noah is that the act of creation, the act of creation, the verb that's used to describe creation for Adam Arishon is either the verb bara or the verb yatsar. Right, you remember by Ra'elokim at Ra'yitzer at there these two verbs are the favorite verbs of the first chapter, the creation of the world. But the verb, the verb that indicates the recreation of the world under Noah, that verb is Zachar. Ra'yiskor. Elohim et Noah. And what does Vayisrael Elohim et Noah mean? It doesn't mean God remembered Noah. It, rem- it means that memory became part of the relationship between God and Noah. Memory. That's to say, you got to a point where you could say to God this most unreasonable statement. Elokei Abraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. What is that? What are we saying? Well, if everybody knows you all went to school, you say, well, we may not be so good. But Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they're really good. So let's mention them. 
But of course that's silly. That's why they tell you that in school. Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov, because of an agreement that we have with God, that Zacharti, by his girl, with Noah, that Noah was recreated under the aegis of memory, that memory is taken into account. The Chiddush, it's a novel idea that if we remember that we are the sons and daughters of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, that's good for us. Why is it good for us? Why is it good for us? Rabbi Yishmael was also the son of Abraham. Not to speak of Esau, who was the son of, <coughs> of Yitzchak. No, no. By Yitzchak, at Noah. Remembering <coughs> is part of the relationship. If I remember where I came from, God says, oh, those are my people. That's a chidush. I've done this thing. This is not obvious in the creation. It's not obvious that other Marishon would teach his children to remember him and that everything would be fine. But this is what happened. <coughs> this is what happened with Noah. Right, by Yisko Elohim et Noah. So that's what it says in this Pasuk. Zacharti et Briti Pasuk Tetvar. Pasuk Tetzayim. Vaita Keshet Anan Uritia Lisko Brit Olam. Bein Elohim Lechol Nefesh Chaya Bechol Basar Shalom Haretz. Keshet Anan. So I have this phone, no one ever calls me. Another So that the Torah insists that there's a Brit a covenant, an agreement that there's an oath writ, there's an oath writ, and that Zacharti. And all of that is part of this parasha. Now what this all means, like why do you need it, and why don't we trust God, and why can we, well, we need, <coughs> why do we need the oath writ? Well, let's see what Rashi says. At least a little bit of what Rashi says. Look at the Rashi and Pasuk Yud Aleph. Pasuk Yud Aleph. I will establish. I will establish this covenant. Ese kiyum lebriti. Umahu kiyum lo. I will make it permanent. Kiyum. I will give it force. Strength. Umahu kiyum lo. Et hakeshet. Kimoshe nesayem v'holech. How is it Yisrael? Oleg and the continuing pesukim, continuing pesuk, pesukim. Now, pesuk tezayin. You see pesuk tezayin. I'm skipping a little the Rashi. Pesuk tezayin. The pesuk says, "Vayita keshet ba'anan uritiha liskor brit olam." You see, keshet ba'anan and and 
and discover great Olam. Keshet Lizkor. Bein Elokim Uveikol Nevesh Chaya Bechol Basar Shala Aretz. Bein Elokim Rashi Ubein Kol Nefesh Chaya Bein Midat Adin Shel Mala Zet Elokim Uveinechem Shaya Lo Lechtov Beini Uvein Kol Nevesh Chaya Elo Mahu Ela Zehu מדרשות שתבוא מידת הדין לקטרד עליכם אני רואה את האות ונזכר It's like uh, you anthropomorphize God It's a little annoying It's like God saying when the מידת הדין says you should be punished שהיה לו לכתוב בני ובן בכל חודש חייה doesn't matter Elazehu midrasho. I don't want to talk about Pshat and Drash right now. Kshabab midat adin the katregalichem. Aniro eetaot veniska. And somehow the the keshet the keshet stops God from meeting out further punishment. I see the keshet. It's though the keshet is not for us. The Keshet is rather for God. If you look back at Pasuk Yudbet, you see the Pasuk Vayom Elohim Zot Ot Habrit Asher Niten Beni Venechem Uven Kol Nefesh Chaya Asher Itchem L'Dorot Olam You see that word L'Dorot? L'Dorot Olam Usually when you have O-O in the word in Hebrew you have at least one vote. Here Rashi says you look at Pasuk Vayudbet Nechtav Chaser No votes. שיש דורות שלא הוצרחו לאות לפי שצדיקים גמורים היו לפי שצדיקים גמורים היו כמו דורות של חזקיהו המלך זה לא צדיקים מלך יהודה ודורש דורות של רבי שמעון בן יוחאי דורות של רבי שמעון בן יוחאי מה זה רשי תומים? חזקיהו המלך שמעון בן יוחאי Okay, let me just... Uh, if I have to... But I just want to understand. I mean, what do we need an oath writ for? Isn't it true that uh, God will keep His promises? This is if you say that the oath writ... Like, like, what is the oath Brit supposed to do? <coughs> If Rashi would say that the oath Brit is supposed to encourage me to, to, to change my ways, to be a good person, then no, that's not the oath Brit. The oath Brit is to remind God not to punish us too severely. So what, so we're kind of stuck here, I think. Like, uh, what are we talking about? <coughs> Rashi gave us a hint. Rashi said that it has something to do with the generation of Rav Shimon ben Yochai. And Shizkiyahu Amel gave us a hint. 
And the hint that he gave us was to the um, to to both I and Zion and Beth. If you turn the sheet over, we'll see if I will get to the Ramban. I don't know if we'll Turn the sheet over. There's this wonderful story. This uh, on the sheet is translated into Hebrew. I think in uh, by Brzezinski. They used to put out these uh, collections of agadot from the uh, Talmud, you know, like a reaction against the yeshiva world. The yeshivas, they learned the halacha. And the other places, they learned the agadah. So this is a story. I say, I'll just read it in English. You look at it in Hebrew. I'll, I'll read it in both. Right? Maser Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Malacha Mother. It's a story of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and the angel of death. Story. The Chachamim said, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi That Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was a perfectly righteous person. I mean, after all, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was a Tana, and he lived with all the other Tana in. <coughs> I would imagine that they were all righteous. I mean, what does that mean that he was righteous? Of course he was righteous. Everybody was righteous. But no, he was a tzaddik The only one, the only Tana about whom it is said that he was tzaddik Listen. The time came for Yeshua ben Levi to leave the world. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu turned to the angel of death and said to him, go, uh, go and do for Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi whatever he asks of you. So the angel went to him and said, Yeshua ben Levi, your time to leave the world has come. I will call the Barashat Ablakeshi Neni But HaKadosh Baruch Hu instructed me that whatever request you might have, <coughs> that I should fulfill it. I should fulfill that direct request. When Rabbi Levi heard this, he said to him, I'm asking Show me the place that I will inherit in the Garden of Eden. The angel of death responded, Come with me and I'll show you. Rabbi Yeshua said to him, Wait a second, give me your sword. I don't want you to have this advantage over me. You're going to scare me with the sword. Forget about the sword. Miyad, immediately, he gave him the sword. He, the angel of death, gave the sword of death to Yeshua ben Levi. They, both of them went until they came to the walls surrounding the Garden of Eden. 
immediately Rabbi Yeshua jumped from the wall and fell into Gan Eden. The angel of death grabbed onto the edge of his cloak and said, said, go out, get out of here. You can't stay here. I mean, you were just alive. You're dead. There's nothing wrong here. And Rabbi Yeshua made the following oath. And he said, he's not going to leave. And Malach Hamavet, the angel of death, was not allowed to enter into the Garden of Eden. So here you have a standoff, right? There's a standoff. The angel of death was sent to kill Rabbi Shubha, maybe, but he's in the Garden of Eden. And the angel of death can't go into the Garden of Eden. Can't go in. <coughs> so Malachi Sharet, Malachi Sharet are the angels that serve. Angels that serve, they do what God tells them to do. But here, Amru Malachi Sharet, Baruch Look at what Yeshua ben Levi did. He's in the mafia. He took it by force. He took his place in the Garden of Eden before he was killed. Imagine. Kashbom said to these Malachesh, all right, he said, go and check. Im nishpa shvu'ah kodim zot, v'yameh fer shvu'ato, avzei yifer, v'im lav, v'yifer. Go and see if in the past, Yoshua ben Levi ever took an oath and didn't fulfill it. In which case, this oath that he won't leave the garden, it also won't be fulfilled. You'll be able to take him out. Yatsu batku shemiyamav lo avar shvuah. So the angels of Malachi Sharet went in to check on the past history of uh, Rabbi Shub and Levi, and they discovered that he had never that Yeshua and Levi had never made an oath that he did not fulfill. So if that's the case, if he's never, never uh, uh, denied an oath in his life, so he's not going to leave the Garden of Eden either. Since the angel of death saw that he didn't have the wherewithal to take him out of God, the Garden of Eden, Amali, give me back my sword. Remember the sword? So Yeshua ben Levi had the sword. So the angel of death was not the angel of death. It was like he, he needed his professional tools. Like a doctor without a stethoscope. Give me back my sword, the angel of death said. <coughs> and he didn't want to give it to him he didn't want to give it to them why didn't he want to give it to him because he wanted to save the generation he wanted to save all the people he, Yeshua, been lazy 
לא רצה לתת לו עד שיצאתה בת קול ואמרה לו אתם a voice from heaven was heard and said אלו החרב שלו שהוא צריך לבריאות give him the sword because he has a job to do in the world אמרו רבי יהושע רבי יהושע says swear to me שלא תראהו לשום אדם בשעה שאתה נוטל נשמתו. He said to the angel of death, he said to the angel of death, promise me that you're not going to show this sword to anybody who is about to die. בשעה שאתה נוטל נשמתו. שקודם זה בכל מקום שהיה מוצא שום אדם, היה שוחט אותו בפני הכל. Before this story took place, the angel of death would just walk up to somebody, take out his sword, and slaughter him on the, pla- on the spot, before everybody else. Everybody else was watching. היה שוחט אותו בפני הכל. אפילו שחט Even a baby held by its mother. At that time, the angel of death promised him, Yeshua ben Levi, that he was not going to kill people who deserved to die, had to die, in that way anymore. with the sword. And Rabbi Shuv and Levi <coughs> gave him the sword. So this story, this story is about how important Rabbi Shuv and Levi was in the world in which he lived. He wasn't just righteous. He spread the righteousness. He changed the world. He did something that even contradicted the divine will, because after all, when God told the angel to go and get Rabbi Shua Levi and kill him, he was going with his sword. He went with the sword. It's just that as a result of the fact that Rabbi Shua Ben Levi had these thoughts in his mind about how to alleviate the pain for the generation, that this all happened. Now, right after that story in the Gemara, it's also found in several other places, we have this continuation. Are you still with me? Are we still telling this story? Here. V'alach Eliyahu zachul atov, Eliyahu zachul atov. I guess, you know, from Ghanedah. The good people are in Ghanedah. So here's Eliyahu Anabi. He's going to Rabbi Yishu ben Levi. והלך ומצא לרבי שמעון בן יוחאי. אבל אתה יודע, רבי שמעון בן יוחאי זה נגדיק פרסונליטי. הוא קבלה, זוהר. אז רבי שמעון בן יוחאי שהיה יושב על שלושה עשר תחתקי פיזה. אוקיי, כיסאות זהב מרופדים. 
Buhari sat on 13 like they were like a couch. They were spread out like a couch. And he was leaning on the couch. He, Rabbi, Shimon ben Yochai. Amalo, Adahu ben Levi. So Shimon Yochai heard about this story. And he said to Rabbi Shimon ben, uh, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, he said, are you ben Levi? You know, like people say, they don't like, you don't call a person by his whole name. His first name was last name. Atal ben Levi, Amalohan? He said, yes, that's me. <laughs> Finally, we got to something, right? <laughs> Did you ever see a rainbow? Did you ever see a rainbow in your lifetime? Did you ever see a rainbow? Amalohei? Yes? I did. Amalo in Cain ain't Atta Ben Levi. If you saw a rainbow, then you're not the Yoshua Ben Levi that I heard about. There's somebody else. Again, the story. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi goes with Eliyahu and Avi to see Rabbi Shimon Yochai. <coughs> Rabbi Shimon Yochai says, are you ben Levi? He says, yes. And he says to him, did you ever see a rainbow in your lifetime? He said, yes. <coughs> if, you've, if you've seen a rainbow in your lifetime, you're not Ben Levi. You're not Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. You're not the person who stood up against the Malach HaMavet. That could not be. And then the Gemara says, Something else is what really happened. In fact, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi never saw, what did I say before? He said, did you ever see a, a, a rainbow? What did Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi say? Yes. I may have gotten it mixed up. Yes, he said, right? He said, I have seen a rainbow. He said it, right? <coughs> now, who the law This is not true. He never saw a rainbow. So why did he lie to Rav Shimon Yochai? He didn't want to be too proud. Proud of what? He didn't want to have pride. Why did Rabbi Shubha Yochai ask Rabbi Shubha Levi about this rainbow? There was this covenant, this agreement between God and the land. That as long as you see the rainbow, God will have mercy on the created world. As long as there is a righteous person, in the generation, they don't need a rainbow. 
שבשביל צדיק אחד העולם עומד because one צדיק keeps the whole world together שנאמר צדיק יסוד עולם וצדיק is the foundation of the world so this is a wonderful story I think even if you don't understand what the story is about it's a wonderful story there is a book that was written by the there's a book that was written by the Ramah called Ramah the Shulchan Aruch Moshe Issa which is called Torata Allah which is a book of uh, philosophy we could say in that book he explains this story <coughs> he explains this story And his explanation is as follows. He says, what is a rainbow? A rainbow is a natural occurrence. It's something that happens. There, there's some, as the Ramban says, in the Ramban that you have on the sheet, which we're not going to look at yet today, <coughs> the Ramban says that there are scientists who tell us what the rainbow really is. The rainbow is a natural occurrence. And so that the oath of the rainbow, the oath of the rainbow says that the world is run by nature, by the way God made it. And that to return the world to the Mabu is unthinkable. Is unthinkable. But, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, they lived in a different world. They lived in a world that was controlled not by nature, but was controlled by righteousness. And in a world that's controlled by righteousness, there is no need for a sign. There is no need for a rainbow. So when Rav Shiva ben Yochai said to Rav Yishu ben Levi, <coughs> he said to him, did you ever see a rainbow? So of course the correct answer was, no, he had never seen a rainbow. But if he would have said that he had never seen a rainbow, that would have been a kind of haughtiness on his part. Never saw a rainbow? So how come the world still exists? How come the world has not been destroyed like it was destroyed before Noah built the ark? How come, how come, how come? So he said, no, yes, I've seen a rainbow many times. But Rav Shiva Yechai understood that he was not telling the truth and that he had never seen a rainbow. And the reason that he never seen the rainbow was because the world was protected by righteousness. The world was protected by righteousness, the righteousness of, of <coughs> Arjuna Levi and of Shema Bayochai. And therefore, there was no need for a rainbow. So we go back, we go back to the story of Noah. It's like Noah is saying to God, But I'm Noah. I mean, I can't live up to the standard. 
what is going to protect me from the next Mabul? And God says, the rainbow. The rainbow equals nature. It's the way it is. No extraordinary promises. And that rainbow will always be there. Except in the generation of Rabbi Shub and Levi. Then there won't be there won't be any rainbow. So I think that I think that there was an awareness that what the story is telling us is an awareness of the limitations of Noah. But how Noah's expectations of himself were not so great. And he understood very well that he needed further corroboration to make sure <coughs> that the world would not slide back into, into the Mahdud. So if you look again at Rashi, Rashi says, <coughs> Rashi says with Dorot Olav, you see Pasukiyot why are these words, this word, the Dorot, why is it missing the two Vavim? It's missing the two Vavim because we should know that this promise does not apply in every generation. Does not. The promise that the Keshet Ba'anan indicates the covenant between God and Noah. Because Sheyesh Dorot in a, in a generation <coughs> they don't need the rainbow they don't need the rainbow because they hold up the world they are the world these Sadikim Gemurim Kimodorosho Chizkiyahu Melech Yehuda Vidorosho Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai and there's no doubt when Rashi speaks of Doro, the generation of Avshinah ben Yochai, that he's referring specifically, specifically, <coughs> specifically to Avshinah ben Levi and Avshinah Yochai meeting together and discussing whether they in fact had seen the rainbow in their generation. I imagine that there isn't anybody in this room who hasn't seen a rainbow at some time or other. I guess it's a grievous food for thought. And uh, I mean, we're the generation that needs the rainbows because we can't depend on some alternative method of righteousness. Okay.